Welcome to Sport Management Review Insights. I'm your host, Vitor Soprano. Sport for Development initiatives typically have a number of important objectives that can include financial, sport, and community goals. But how do Sport for Development managers handle the tensions of delivering these diverse goals? Well, that's the topic for this episode. And joining us to discuss this is a scholar who's devoted much of her research to Sport for Development, publishing several articles on the topic. She's lecturer in Sport Development at Western Sydney University. It's Kat Raw. Welcome, Kat. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure to have someone on from Western Sydney, a great part of Sydney. I lived in the inner west, so I know what it's like. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very nice to have you on. It's a great place. I am currently based in Western Sydney and I've only moved here two years ago. I'm loving to get to know the place. Kat and co-authors Emma Sherry and Nico Schulenkorf recently published Managing Sport for Development, an Investigation of Tensions and Paradox. So Kat, there's been such a great deal of research on sport for development. And of course, you can listen to podcasts we've done on some of those, uh, as well as read the studies in sport management review. So check those out. But from this research, how did this help our understanding of sport for development? Yeah, so I think what we're seeing uh, recently, and you, you've probably already discussed this on other podcasts and whatnot, but sport for development has really uh, boomed, particularly theoretically over the last 20 years. And what we're seeing more recently is the professionalization of sport for development. So uh, we're seeing not a lot, but more money going into the sector. And we're seeing people being paid for their jobs uh, in these roles. And in association with that, we're seeing lots of partnerships and professional sporting organisations coming into the sector, which brings with it lots of complexities and tensions, um, which is basically what we wanted to explore through this research. Look at um, organisations that had come under this new hybrid sort of structure over recent years, and particularly interviewing managers around the complexities and tensions of working in this environment, what were the challenges associated with that and how they managed those tensions and challenges. So how did you come up with the idea of focusing on on tensions? Were you just looking at a sport for development program and seeing people just fight each other or uh, was it just something that obviously from from the research and, and why was it important to look at this idea of tension? Yeah, no, didn't see too much fighting. No, we definitely saw tensions. Um, uh, Myself and Emma and Nico have worked in the Pacific for a little while now, and we have seen um, some complexities and challenges not only locally in Australia, but that's some of these complexities are sort of amplified when you have people who are based in professional sporting organisations in Australia and New Zealand and high income contexts, uh, delivering, designing and managing programs in low to middle income contexts. So there becomes a power imbalance with that. Um, and the more organizations and funders come on board uh, which typically is what happens in sport for development they're, they're low there's low levels of resourcing so they have to bring in more partners and and uh, that complicates things right you end up getting pulled in a million different directions um, so we really wanted to unpack that because we were seeing that happening not just locally in Australia but we were seeing examples of that occurring over in the Pacific as well where you don't just have national sporting organizations from Australia you have international sporting organizations over there helping deliver these programs as well as NGOs we've got charities and you have uh, local governments as well as the Australian government coming in as well so it's a fascinating space and we just wanted to explore that more from the perspective of sport for development managers. 
And the research theoretical framework you used is, is what's based in organizational hybridity. Uh, that's a difficult word to say. Um, based on what you just said, it makes a lot of sense. But can you just tell us a bit more about what that means and how it relates? Yeah, so we've, I've looked at uh, organizational hybridity previously. Um, um, brilliantly and, said, by uh, the way, your pronunciation yeah. is fantastic trying to nail it um, so and I, I, we've seen examples of where a hybridity has been brought in as sort of this silver bullet to sport for development's resourcing issues whereby you've got a uh, typically charitable type context or non-profit context uh, wanting to deliver community outcomes but struggling to get sustainable resourcing so they bring in uh, for-profit or private sector or professional sporting organizations into the realm to help um, solve those issues and the benefits of that is you see really uh, this bloom in creativity, um, sustainability it can help with innovation. You can see things like, you know, prime example is us right here. Uh, research is being brought into the space as well. It helps with monitoring and evaluation with these programs. But there's complexities associated with that as well, uh, which, you know, we've talked about just previously. And so what we brought into it is not just organisational hybridity from a theoretical sense to look at the uh, the hybrid and the types of tensions, but we also brought into um, this paper the notion of paradox, which is a theory that has traditionally come from social entrepreneurship. And it's this whole idea of you've got contradictory yet interrelated elements that are persisting over time and that can play out in those positive ways, which I mentioned before, but it can also really challenge organisation if those paradoxes and complexities aren't managed effectively. I can imagine it took a while to get the head around the theory of paradox. Um, yes, <laughs> definitely it did. But we got there and uh, we think it's given us some really interesting in insights to this space. I, I can imagine. And, we, and we'll get into the, to the findings in a second. But I, I want to talk about how, uh, how you collected the data. So you, you conducted semi-structured interviews, as you mentioned, with Australian non-profit uh, national sport organizations uh, for initiatives in Asia and the Pacific region. Was yep. it difficult to, to recruit them? And particularly when you're saying, I want to talk to you about your tensions and potentially paradoxes. Yeah, so definitely uh, a trust building exercise there. Um, no, we've been really lucky in that um, Emma Sherry, Nico Schulenkoff and myself have both done a bit of work over in the Pacific. So we had a few relationships already, not just through national sporting organisations, but through um, an organisation called GHD, who are the company that help oversee the Australian Sports Partnership Program for the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trades. I've got quite a few tongue twisters going on here, but basically... Basically, um, we had key contacts at each of those levels. So we were able to um, approach Ben Howard at GHD and say, hey, we're really interested in looking at the professionalisation of sport for development, some of the, the complexities um, in association with this. Would it be okay if we approach all these national sporting organisations and talk to some of the managers of these programs in association with this? Um, and so Ben and the team at GHD were great. They helped facilitate that, sent out an official email, and we were able to get 17 uh, managers of sport for development in association with the Australian Sports Partnership Program, um, which I think uh, was that represented 13 out of the 20 national sporting organisations that were currently involved in uh, the ASPP at that point in time. It's changed a lot since then, but yeah. Tongue twisters and acronyms. Uh, yeah, lots of... Uh... 
interesting things to say but look I, I can imagine once you started talking to them about the issues they would have just poured their hearts out and and given you a lot of rich data how did you go about analyzing what would have been a, i'm sure a data saturation uh, a number of times over yeah there were so many things we could have pulled from this and there's probably another paper or two we can get out of this data set too because it was just fascinating um and really awesome to see these sport for development managers being so open and willing to talk about their um their challenges in associate in association with working in this field so basically we ran semi-structured interviews with them and then um it was just a basic qualitative methodology nothing fancy in that regard and then we pulled down all the data into uh, in vivo software and did qualitative analysis that way um, and came up with these themes around the complexities and tensions and then the management strategies that they employed uh, to address them and tell us about it what, what were the key results from from that data analysis Unsurprisingly, one of the key themes around challenges was complexity and, and duplicity in that managers felt that they were pulled in multiple directions at once. Um, they were, and it was an association with basically having to deliver a sport for development program that was trying to target a range of community outcomes and diplomacy outcomes and sport development outcomes all at once in an overseas location while working in a national sporting context. And then from that came a range of tensions and conflicting demands and issues with resourcing. Um, but they were also really good at telling us about the management strategies that they were employing to address those challenges. You know, some of which were really constructive ways and others were a bit concerning with regards to scaling back programs and pulling out of locations where they had been for some time. Based on that, you know, how did this uh, advance our understanding of sport for development? How did this relate back to, to the theoretical concepts that, that you were using? Yeah, so I guess what we're doing is expanding our understanding of how sport for development hybridity plays out in practice, but also how these roles are experienced, right? How are these uh, key players in sport for development managing these complexities and challenges? Uh, are they scaling back programs and, and um, doing more harm than good? Um, or are they promoting sport for development synergies? And one of the, the key findings we, we came across was um, while everyone in sport for development recognises there needs to be collaboration, um, a lot of the time it's focused upon collaboration between, you know, a charitable organisation that might have expertise in an area that a sport organisation doesn't have or with a funder. But what was one of the interesting findings was the idea uh, or the suggestion that maybe these sport organisations should actually start collaborating together and sharing their resources together, which some participants were really on board with and were sharing, you know, ideas around program design uh, and others were, you know, not so much. And that led to one of the other key findings is that we really need to break down this idea of zero-sum perspectives in sport for development that realistically it should be about the communities and community benefit it shouldn't be about us versus them or our organization versus them or, or even internally it shouldn't be about those that are in uh, professional marketing or or you know focusing on the development of the sport it shouldn't be about them versus sport for development practitioners so um yeah finding the synergies in sport for development in short and focusing on local autonomy uh, and community benefit through that 
I can imagine the, some of the sport organizations must think, I'm not working with them. We're competitors. Why would we work with each other? Yeah, seriously. And it was just so interesting to hear, you know, there was one example where a a national sporting organization had had literally shared their program design with another national sporting organization that was going for the same funding and they were told that they were crazy for doing it um, but they came from the perspective that they don't care as long as the community is benefiting and if that means one youth participant approaches a different sport or ends up playing a different sport or engaging in a different network then so be it that's still uh having impact on the ground and benefiting the community that's a that's a really enheartening story i'm amazed to hear that actually so uh good on that sport organization let's see more of it that that would be fantastic now from a practical sense as you mentioned kat not not just from this uh this publication but also you've done so much research in this area just from a, a practical perspective how would you advise national sport organizations but also government and community leaders, anyone who's really interested in, in sport for development and achieving all those goals that uh, we want to get from, from these programs? So I guess, first and foremost, it's about having an aim and target group in mind and being mindful of that. Um, but I think something we can really take from this is the idea of sustainability. And uh, if you want to go in and fund or design or work in this if you're going to talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk, right? Um, and you can't sort of, as a funding body, place large-scale expectations upon small-scale local organisations in the Pacific and not fund and support them appropriately. So, you know, there was this um, disconnect between expecting um, these small sporting organisations to deliver on gender equality Uh, social inclusion of people with disabilities, sport diplomacy, the development of sport, as well as governance outcomes. Um, And doing that in a one or two year funding cycle is not really going to cut it anymore. So I think we need to be a bit more uh, mindful of the expectations we place on some of these organisations. And if you do want large scale impacts and you do want long term impacts, then you have to provide appropriate funding structures and resources in accordance with that. You can't sort of throw money at something for one year and expect to deliver world peace. Do you know what I mean? I I think our understanding of this space has evolved beyond that now. So the practice um, and things that are happening on the ground need to adapt accordingly. It sounds like that idea that sport is not the panacea for the world's ills. So don't just throw sport at it. There has to be other infrastructure and other resources going into it. Absolutely. And and not just, you know, external structures and resources and partnerships going into it. There, there needs to be local buy-in and local structures and local resources because it's too easy for external partners to sort of back out and say, oh, this is all too hard. You know, particularly you look at the global environment right now, it'd be really easy for those sorts of international partnerships to just, to just drop things, uh, drop the ball and, and let things go because it's all too hard in the current context. So you need to get that local buy-in and build up that local capacity as well. Do you think you're starting to see that from the sport development managers at least and and potentially the funders, government? Yes, I I think there is. And there's been a bit of a shift, which is great to see too. So, you know, for instance, there's been a a bit of a a shift in terms of 
uh, one of the reporting requirements in this um, is around media um, and, and your, uh, your social media outputs, your social media engagement, that sort of thing. And there was, in the last two, three years, there's been a shift to get local media when you need it, but also the local partners to actually document those things themselves. Um, so, I, you know, that's just one example. And then it's also about building up local capacity. So we're seeing more of GHD and more of DFAT going over to the Pacific and, and engaging more directly with the local organisations over there, as opposed to doing it at arm's length or via the national sporting organisations located in Australia. So I think we are seeing that shift, but like anything, Thing, sport for social impact it's a it's a slow moving beast social impact does not happen in one or two years so the change will take time um but i think we're seeing some important progress it sounds like they should also heed your advice listen to the podcast what uh, read the article that seems that seems like it's going to help uh and it sounds like also for, for you kat and, and and nico and emma and other people involved in this research there's much more to do for you from your perspective as well Oh, yeah, I think we're just scratching the surface and, and you know, there's, you could just do a massive project on one component of, of this sort of program alone, you know, just the sport diplomacy aspect would be massive, uh, particularly in the current environment, or, you know, the element of gender equality is a huge behemoth on its own, let alone from a cross-cultural perspective and a hybridity perspective, there's so many angles that you could take this in. Uh, but I think, you know, like I guess this advice could probably go for any sport for development research and, and it is definitely a challenging thing to do, but I think any research that follows these programs long-term is going to be really impactful and I'd love to see more of that. I think you might be getting some emails about that. How can I help? Um, so no, <laughs> Kat, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure, really fascinating stuff and I hope uh, people take uh, your advice on board and, and inspire some research as well uh, it, it's been great chatting thanks so much Kat. awesome thanks for having me and thanks for listening to sport management review insights at the sport management review website you'll find all the latest research being published including the article discussed in this episode managing sport for development an investigation of tensions and paradox that's it for this episode but take a look there's plenty more you can download to your favorite podcast player until then it's bye for now